Hello, and welcome to Centre Stage, the podcast of the International Centre for Women Playwrights, a virtual non-profit organisation dedicated to supporting women playwrights around the world. This series celebrates the work of members by showcasing excerpts of their work, followed by an interview where we can hear about their ideas and sometimes their process. I'm Jenny Monday, and in this episode of Centre Stage, we have Ali McLean reading two short excerpts from her plays. The first is from a play called Sullen Girl, and the second is from a play called This Will Be Our Year. Ali is a playwright and TV writer living in Los Angeles. To begin with, we have Ali reading a short excerpt from her play Sullen Girl. Ali's work is copyright. And if you're interested in performing this or any other of her plays, you can contact her through womenplaywrights.org or her website, allymclean.com. Ally McLean is all one word, dot com. Hi, Here is I'm Ally McLean, reading a section from and I am reading play. a piece from my play, Sullen Girl. Jen, a girl of 12, kneels at her mother's grave with flowers. I'm sorry we argued. I'm really sorry. I didn't want you to be upset right before you went into the hospital. I just got embarrassed when you made me go shopping for a bra. I didn't have anything to hold it up. Like, nothing there. But you said we had to, because that's what ladies do. I don't think I want to be a lady. Didn't look fun watching you be one. You always got told what to do, or got yelled at a lot, and you were in pain all the time. Yeah, no thanks. I just wanted to keep riding my bike around the neighborhood, go to Kel's baseball games. But you were like spazzing out, trying to cram all of my puberty and teen years in what little time you had left. I'm really glad we went now. It's one more day we got to spend. One more memory. Because the longer you're gone, the harder it is for me to remember everything about you. And it scares me because... What if someday I can't remember you at all? I have a little more to fill it out now. The bra. Not like a lot. But people noticed. It's my fault. I just wanted him to love me so badly. That's why it happened. I mean, Kellen was so good at baseball since he was like 12 Men would come and watch him play, and they'd study Kel every time he threw the ball and then write something down in a little notebook. And Dad would go over and do something dumb to get them to like him, like slap him on the back or give him that lame car lot handshake he does while offering him a pop. And while they were studying Kel, I'd study Dad. He so wanted those men to like him. And I so wanted him to like me. It sounds weird to say that out loud, that your dad doesn't like you. I mean, he kind of has to because I'm his daughter, right? You can feel it when someone doesn't really care about you. When they're just going through the motions. Like, I know he has to legally provide for me, but, like, he's not going to spend any extra energy on loving me. I just wanted him to love me. He loves, loved Kellen. Kellen was amazing at baseball before his arm got torn apart. And he loved you when you were alive. 
Even if he did slap you around, you could tell he loved you. He still does. He talks about you all the time. I even saw him cry, which he made me swear not to tell anyone or he'd bury me in the backyard. Honestly, that doesn't sound so bad right now. At least I know it'll all be over. And I get to see you. He doesn't love us like he loved you, Mom. And he never had any real reason to love me. I could never do anything special for him. Remember I said that to you once? How I was sad that he never wanted to do anything with me? You said he didn't know what he was missing. That someday Dad would realize how special I was and he'd want to spend lots of time with me. Well, you were right. Since he died, he started spending lots of time with me. But he doesn't love me, Mom. Now we have a short interview with Ali, and I started with the question, would you like to tell me a bit about the play reading you've just recorded? Is about um, two children and um, their trauma, their childhood trauma, specifically um, the daughter, Jen, and how uh, growing up with the trauma of being in an abusive family, having an abusive father, um, how it correlates to the adults that they become and the effects that that has on them um, in their adult life and how they cope with um, finding jobs and relationships and, um, you know, how they basically fare in their adult life. And, and um, so I wanted to kind of explore that because, you know, people talk a lot about trauma, whether it be from, you know, this type of situation or you know, a car accident, a plane crash, um, what have you. And, um, but we know, we don't really talk about how it can affect, you know, whether you can't, you know, communicate in your marriage or you can't hold down a job or, you know, you don't deal with people well, um, you can't manage your money well. It has, you know, ramifications outside of just, you know, maybe mental illness or becoming an alcoholic or what have you. So I, I wanted to explore that. And then I sort of realized that um, our country had been in a sort of a four-year um, relation. I, I don't even want to say the word relationship because that sounds like it was consensual. <laughs> and it wasn't consensual with half the country, but in a traumatic situation with um, our government and um, it was abusive and a lot of people had gone through this this trauma uh, and how do we go forward now after having this um, four-year period where we felt like every day we'd wake up and it was you know just waiting for the shoe to drop what's going to happen today and I feel like that's how um, children who lived in houses of abuse felt like what's going to happen what what am i going to do wrong today am i going to get hit today you know what's the bad thing that's going to happen today and i felt that way every single day i woke up for the past four years uh so that's really what i was exploring what was your process what how did you go about you know researching and then writing the play well it's interesting because the play is actually kind of a prequel 
of another play I wrote. And so the impetus was what I just said, but it, it, it came from a character in another play. And I was um, sort of doing my acting Uta Hagen work on her. And I was trying to figure out well, what kind of person is she? Where does she come from? What was her background? And I was, she has a strong connection with her brother and, you know, what was that? And so I started kind of making my um, little diary of who she was and her who she was to her brother. And then it's whole other story kind of spun out of that. But um, luckily I don't have a um, background of abuse in my family and my father is a lovely man. So I did have to do a very deep dive of research. Um, I have to say that outright because people have asked <laughs> and um, my poor father, I have to set the record straight. I think um, the only time I accused my father of child abuse was when I, I was mad because he would let me watch cartoons before I finished my homework or something like that. So that was the level of abuse in our household. But um, yeah, I read a lot about um, child abuse and um, incest a lot. I, I took these big tomes psychology tomes out of the library. My um, library account, if anyone were to look at it, would be extremely troubling, I'm sure. Um, but it was, it was really interesting and also really sad to see that, you know, you, you think, you hear about incest and you think, oh, those people are sick. But it was really scary to find out that, you know, it's, I think it's one in nine, at least I don't, I don't know if that's a worldwide statistic or an American statistic, but like one in nine um, female children are molested by a family member um, or a close family friend. And it just kind of blew my mind apart that it's that frequent. Um, so, yeah, and I, I was looking at how that affects them, you know, whether they become promiscuous growing up or they fail out of school or they turn to drugs and alcohol, or um, they become people pleaser. Um, do they get married? Do they have children or do they not want to have kids because they're afraid that they're going to screw them up? So there's all these different kind of ways that something that happens even when they're very young can affect their entire life. And do they have the, um, the knowing to kind of stop it and you know, nip it in the bud so the pattern isn't repeated. And a lot of the times they don't. You know, it takes a special um, person to sort of stop the cycle. Um, and so this, that's what this was about. And so that was my process, yeah. I do a lot of research on, for all of my plays, sometimes the research, because I'll get stuck on something really small and go down this rabbit hole and, you know, and for two days I haven't written a, a word because I'm, you know, researching like the, um, the prison rates, you know, in a small town of, you know, whatever it is, something really tangential. And then I'm like, okay, you need to focus out. You need to actually write the play because <laughs> I will get so deep in research um, because it gets disturbing. And, um, are you able to tell us what happens next in the play after that section of the play reading that you gave us? Uh, that's actually up at the top when she's talking to her, she's speaking to her mother and she's at the graveside of her mother. So um, it's a lot because the play actually flips back and forth in time. 
so when she's speaking to her mom, she's speaking as a child. And then we go forward in time and we see Jen as an adult and how she's coping or not coping with what has happened between her and her father. And we see how it's affected her brother, um, Kellen, and how he has, um, he's coped with it in a different way. He's ended up going to juvie and then going on and volunteering to go to Iraq. He signed up and gone to Iraq and how, you know, um, his answer was basically through violence. Um, and he sort of kind of mirrored his dad's behavior, um, even though he claims that he never wants to be like his father, he sort of kind of followed in his father's footsteps in a way. So we kind of explore, you know, her relationship with her brother, um, who is her best friend, and vice versa, and how they kind of are kept apart from each other in that way, and what that does to her, that she doesn't have that um, comfort and that person to lean on because they're separated. And so she's essentially alone in the house with um, her abusers. And have, has the play been produced? What, what kind of reaction have you had? Um, I've only had some, a couple of Zoom readings so far because we're kind of in the early stages of it. But um, I think it's, um, it's a really tough play to watch. It's very raw and real and emotional. And I think people are, um, it's not like a fun play. It's not Meet Me in St. Louis, <laughs> but it's, um, it's extremely emotional. I think people are kind of um, put through the ringer watching it, but then they're, um, I think they're really transformed by it because it really, you know, the, the characters really change and, um, and the characters are transformed. So, you know, it's, um, I don't pull any punches. I'll put it that way. You know, I make you I make you sit through it with with the characters. Yes, that's the value of theater, isn't it? Um, going through an experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there's plenty. I mean, I I used to be a a comedy writer, and I I still do uh, write comedy, and I, I used to write comedy for TV. So I I do know how to write fun stuff. But um, when I went back to writing plays, I I decided if I'm going to do this, I want to write stuff that's important, or at least important to me, and stuff that means something that doesn't get wrapped up in the half, at the end of the half hour. So um, if I'm going to sit down and spend this much time on it, it's something that um, either bothers me that I can't seem to fix or solve, um, or something that, you know, speak for people who I think don't have a voice, perhaps. Um, so I'm not going to, you know, have a clear cut out or make it easier, easy on the audience. I'm not going to sew it up. Um, I'm not going to protect them from stuff that's ugly or uncomfortable um, because I don't think it's, I don't think life is comfortable, you know, sometimes. And I think I want to kind of expose people to the uncomfortable and um, the, the stuff that people generally type try to hide, you know, the stuff that they would never post on Facebook. That's the stuff I want to um, explore on stage because uh, that's where real life starts. You know, real life isn't put up on Twitter. Um, thanks, Ellie. Um, you're also going to um, have a reading of another play of yours um, uh, after this interview. So the play is called This Will Be Our Year. Um, 
Can you tell me a little bit about that play? Yes, um, This Will Be Our Year is a rock and roll Greek tragedy. It's actually the second play in a trilogy of plays um, that are, I call them the zomb my zombie trilogy. They're plays that are based on songs by the 60s rock group, The Zombie. So the first one I wrote was called She's Not There, um, which deals with um, mental illness. And uh, the second one, which is This Will Be Our Year, deals with, um, I guess, addiction to um, people. It's, it's addiction and adultery. That's, those are the themes of that one. Um, and the third one I'm in the middle of writing is called I'll Call You Mine. Uh, but This Will Be Our Year um, is about Hugo and Jen. Hugo is a, a British fledgling rock star, and Jen is Jen grown up, the one that we've just visited, um, a New York jewelry designer. And it's a kind of a star-crossed romance over the span of 10 years of how they kind of come together and fall apart and essentially, um, I won't say destroy each other's lives, but complicate each other's lives because they just can't stay away from each other. And the the part that you're reading, um, is that at the beginning of the play or where does it occur? This is actually towards the end of the play. I, I'm reading Hugo, who is obviously the male, the rock star. And um, he's sort of, uh, he can't seem to get out of his own way. He sort of is, starts to achieve everything he wants, fame, fortune. Um, he's become this big rock star that he's always wanted to be, um, but he tends to be self-destructive and sort of torch everything that he, um, you know, he wants or he gets. Uh, he torches relationships, he torches friendships, you know, pretty much anything. So um, he's finally kind of gotten everything he wants and um, he's in the process of destroying it. He's, um, he's divorced his wife. He's uh, he, the band starting to hate him. He's back on drugs. He's drunk all the time. He's not doing so well during his concerts. He's kind of having crappy concerts and he's basically messed it up with, in this relationship with the person he says he loves the most so he's um he's backstage after a concert completely wasted talking to a groupie and what sort of research did you do for that play personal <laughs> um well i i worked um tangentially in the music business uh, i wrote for mtv for many years and i also was a radio personality so i came across many 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 musicians um, some of them who behaved abhorrently, they know who they are. And, um, I, I dated several musicians. I lived with one for three some odd years. Um, so I know the archetype. There's some that are lovely. They're very lovely. And this is not who I'm writing about. Uh, so yeah, I, I, it's a lot of personal information <laughs> that I have put in the play. Um, but as far as research, I don't know. I think I did a lot of research on alcoholism and, and drug addiction and um, the narcissist, narcissistic personality disorder. I did some research on that. Although I don't feel like many of us need to research it. I feel like we've come across them at some point in our lives. 
how far do we have to research that really? Uh, but yeah, it, a lot of it just kind of came to me naturally because I feel like I've lived a lot of this. So um, not a lot of research needed. <laughs> um, so before we uh, move to um, hearing the reading, um, Ali, is there anything else you'd like to say about your process? Is there anything about your play writing process that you think is unique to you or that um, that really clarifies your way of working? Hmm. Well, for me, I, I mean, I start with character. I, I'm, I love my, I, I think my strength is probably dialogue. I start with character. I, I am an actor. I was going to say former, but that sounds, that's not entirely true. I'm, I studied to be an actor. So I'm always coming, I think I'm a, an actor's writer. I always come from um, the point of view of, of what, you know, what would the actor, want? not necessarily what the actor wants. I, I just come from the point of view of, of character and who is this person and that's kind of my MO. Um, so I start with that. And so maybe structure isn't my strong point, maybe. Um, I think that's why I write things that kind of flip around in time a lot. Um, and I also start sometimes in the middle of a play and then branch out from there. That's what happened with the play I'm writing right now. I don't know if I recommend it. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm not an outliner. I, I know that scares a lot of people, but I just sign up, kind of sometimes get an idea for a character and just start writing. Um, I hope people who are in my writing class don't hear me say that right now. Turn it off if you were listening. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I think character and, and the voice that you have is the most important. All the other things you can pick up and, and study. And there are a million ways to write a play. So no Right. That's the best. Yeah, that's the best thing about playwriting. You know, it's like the car crash doesn't have to start at page 20 and you don't need a Godzilla. You know, you can write a play however you want and um, you can create whatever you want. I think I returned to playwriting because I think that theater fosters empathy. And I think that lots of places in the world are short on empathy right now. And my goal is to create more of that. Um, and for the characters who maybe aren't empathetic in my plays, it's sort of a mirror. And so if people recognize that or they recognize somebody in the play that is like someone like that, um, maybe it can also foster tolerance a little bit. Um, I'm not saying I'm a social justice warrior, but you know, if somebody can see or read one of my works and um, sort of recognize that, then then that um, then I guess my work is done. <laughs> Thanks to Ali McLean for meeting with me via Zoom to talk about her work. To conclude, we will have a short reading by Ali from her play, This Will Be Our Year. Now, some people may find the language in this play offensive, so if you think you might be offended by strong language, please stop the podcast now. Hi, I'm Allie McLean, and I'm reading a piece from my play, This Will Be Our Year. Hugo, late 30s, a British rock star in the middle of a downward spiral, stands in the stage doorway, talking out to the audience to someone unseen. 
He drinks heavily and occasionally does bumps of coke off his hand. How do you get backstage? Well, that is an age-old question, isn't it? I heard Keith Richards said you had to be important, talented, or fuckable. I think that's a crude thing to say, but... Well, well, thank you. I don't know from all three, but I'm here anyway. But honey, let me tell you something. You've got to stop thinking that backstage is some sort of Oz-like place where free money and love is handed out. You poor girls work so hard to get back here, and it breaks my heart a little. I don't even want to know what Larry or the road crew made you do Oh, I know you girls do it, so don't act like little Miss Innocent. Whatever you did for it, I'm not worth it. I'm telling you, I'm shite. What do you really think happens back there? It's boring. It's a cinder block room with a four biker card table. There's a bucket of beer and water and some shit wilted catering trays, some cun stained futons. The label people are all crammed in there and they want a party, and the A&R people are there with a thousand laminates around their necks, the prats. And we're exhausted, and all we want to do is go back to the bloody hotel. But these tosses make us do this dog and pony show, trot us out in front of these morning DJs and horrid, flammable bowling shirts to smile for pictures with their scarecrow wives. And then there's a lot of you with your homemade t-shirts and glitter on your faces. Well, you are pretty adorable. Oh, you fucking know you are. How old are you? <laughs> really? How many hours did you spend on this poster? Yeah? How many hours do you spend thinking about me? Know how much time I'll spend thinking on you if we fuck? None. I won't even be thinking of you when I come. No, it's true, because I'm an asshole. No, I really, really am. I'm a crap human being. Oh, how can you listen to all that and still want to shag me? Oh, that's pathetic. You know why I write songs? Because I can't say what I mean to the people I love. No, it's true. The band all hate me. My ex-wife hates me. My own kids don't even remember what I look like. And I disappoint the person I love the most. Well, you should care. You should be more selective of who you fuck. Ah, oh, you don't want to be with me. No, Hugo Turner is a myth, and you're going to be highly disappointed with the reality. I can destroy your life in record time. Oh, seriously, they named a hurricane after me. So I think you should go home before we make a really bad decision. Oh, I know. Bad decisions are sexy, aren't they? Until you get hurt. And believe me, you will be the one to get hurt. Not me, because I don't feel fucking anything anymore. So thanks for the brownies and all the blow, but really, you don't want this. You seem like a sweet girl, and you're very, very pretty, but honestly, you're really, really fucked up, and I'll just fuck you up more. Well, that's, uh, that's very sexy. Okay, one drink. But it's your funeral. Thanks again to Ali McLean, one of our members from the United States. Thanks for listening to this podcast. There should be more coming along soon. <laughs>